Hey there, our listeners didn't see you there. We're just hanging out here in the Forbidden Forest. We're just uh gathering up all these thirty-two golden acorns that are in this area. And fifteen where like werewolf pelts and twenty forgotten feathers of a phoenix and fucking solve the problems of 12 villagers because we really desperately need to actually reach the next level to get one of our prestige classes to actually beat that fucking boss down in the, you know, fucking cavern of the of the forgotten depths or whatever. To be fair, most, at least most of the villagers' problems are easy to solve. Their problems are all, I lost the thing in the forest, go get it. It's all, oh, what's this thing I can click on? Oh, I just picked something up. And then you go into the village and someone's like, I lost my grandma's precious uh, family heirloom. And it's just like, oh, you mean this? It's like, what is this thing? Oh, I'm not, uh, I don't know, remember what this quest was because the text on the screen was too small. Yeah, pretty much. Speaking of, quick aside, started playing Final Fantasy XV lately. Wow, that game could really do with an option to increase text size on the screen. 30 goddamn years old. I don't got time to be like... Getting my old granddad eyes out, squinting at that tiny text. What is this, Dragon Age Inquisition? Yeah, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Text too small. Anyway. Anyway! Hi, adventurers. Yeah, hey, hey, you can help us look for these fucking acorns. Stupid-ass acorns. Well, I was actually going to introduce ourselves now that we've whinged about our side quests. Okay, yeah, yeah, go nuts. Hi, adventurers. I am your host, Karina, your party wizard with a prestige class in Rogue. I am your other host and party rogue. Regardless of what certain fucking Dungeons and Dragons online personality quizzes might have you believe. Paladin. Look, I don't have a paladin. Problem. I don't have a problem with a paladin. Paladin. Like fine. I can live with paladin. that. Paladin. Paladin. It's the lawful neutral result that That is me so off. you though. Like it's so painfully you. Neutral? Yeah. Not even good. Lawful neutral, even. Yeah, not even lawful You're the person who will literally walk, like, around in a circle to go across a zebra crossing. Yeah, that's lawful. That's not neutral. Yeah, but, like, you're definitely lawful neutral. (sighs) That's, whatever. I mean, I'm definitely very chaotic good. I don't think anyone can argue against that. It's very disappointing. (laughs) Lawful neutral paladin. Going to that medium place. Apparently. I said my name. No, no. It's your host and party rogue, Veronica James. Should we get into the theme? Yeah. Do you want to, or do we want to talk about the nerd shit we did this week? Whatever. We didn't really do any nerd shit. You know what we didn't do? We watched Star Trek Discovery. Now, I know we talked about it a lot beforehand, and we talked about Trek a lot, but yeah, it didn't feel like watching it at the time, you know? To be honest, those trailers made it look a little dour, and I wasn't up for dour. Yeah, I've kind of needed chipper things in my life. Lately. We watched The Good Place instead. That was fun. That show fucking rules. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with The Good Place, it is like a 30-minute comedy. It is about a woman who dies and then wakes up in The Good Place and then has to basically try to learn to fit in in heaven. Not really heaven, but yeah. Well, they call it The Good Place because they're going for that whole no religions were correct thing. It's good. It's very funny. And I will say, we got up to see, we started, we finally got up to season two. Man, those first two episodes of season two, they ain't, like, sitting on their laurels. That show is just like, here's an idea, now we're done with that. Any other show would have done, spent a season on this idea. Nope, that's just one episode. New episode, new idea. We're doing two ideas in this episode. Yep. It's great. I like all the characters. Oh, yeah, the characters are definitely getting better and better. 
You even like that one English character, and you hate English characters. Yeah, and, like, I started off just kind of being really meh about her, but, like, after a while, I really warmed up to Zahani. Poor precious Tihani. Yeah. Tahani doesn't deserve what she gets. Poor Tihani. Tahani. Tahani. I mess those names up a lot. Tahani. We also just, uh, just before we launch, watched the first two episodes of Neo Yokio. That is a show I'm down with. It's so fucking random. It's... But it's not like, oh my god, lol, so random. Look at my deviant art fan page. Look, look at my Harley Quinn deviant art, lol, so random. I like Yonan Vasquez. Oof. No, it's just very strange and throws ideas out there a lot and then very quickly moves on from them. Very high concept. I love it. It's this weird. Mostly what I took away from it was, oh hey, that's the guy from the IT crowd. It's this weird version of New York that's Neo Yokio. And, like, part of the city is just underwater. But, it, like, it's about the main character is part of this, the magistocracy. Because in the 18th century, the city got invaded by demons. And now there's this new aristocracy I class. I don't even think of, it was that long ago. Of, like, demon hunters. But he's just weirdly into fashion and always talking about it. And, he okay, is always talking about it. I will tell you, the main kid, on top of, like, this penthouse skyscraper, there's, like, a graveyard. And he has a grave made for himself. That sometimes he just goes and lies on top of his grave and feels sad about his breakup. He did that once. He did that literally once. It's only six episodes. There isn't time to do it more than once. God, I wish I could go lie on my grave. <laughs> God. I couldn't afford a grave right now even if I wanted one. Yeah, those headstones are fucking expensive, let me tell you. This is why I just want to be cremated. I think they also get you for that. Yeah, like, people... The death industry is fucking ridiculous. I'll just say that right here and now. Just walk into the sea. It don't cost anybody anything. <laughs> there is no way to go on. Oh, you were Javering. Yes. Yeah. Assume that at any given moment, if we're talking about going into water, I am referring to Javert. <laughs> I love that fucking bizarre John Malkovich death scene. <laughs> it's, it's enjoyable. It's the fact that he's like, it's almost like he's sliding down a rail into the river. None of your big dramatic jumping off a bridge to your death. Just like, nope, sliding into the river, half floating away. Yep. <laughs> Fucking hands behind his back, casual as balls. The Javert is pretty fucked up, though, like, let's be real. Poor Javert, he couldn't admit that he was wrong. Oh, let's get on to the topic at hand. Today's topic is video game endings. Oh, yeah. Because I've finished The Witcher 3 the other day. Hey, I finally finished The Witcher 3. That only took like six fucking months or whatever. <laughs> Something like that. I'm just gonna say, let's just assume any game we mention, we're just gonna spoil the ending of. I mean, it's a show about endings. Of course we're gonna spoil the endings of a bunch of video games. Generic spoiler for literally everything ever that we have played. <laughs> yep. Video game endings. As far as I'm concerned, there's two different aspects, and one or both of them can be good or bad. There's your narrative ending, and there's your mechanics ending. Your narrative ending obviously being how the story ends and does it work with the story. And your mechanics ending, which is... Obviously, it's honestly whether the end of the game is fun to play and also doesn't make any goddamn sense. Does it take 20 minutes to defeat the fucking Archdemon? Yeah. Do guess... you have to get your partner to help you actually play the last level of this game because it is so fucking frustrating and so timed and it's a fucking rising water level that you legitimately end up nearly in tears because you can't stand fucking playing this level one more time because you hate repetitive things. 
She's talking about the meat circus. Yes, I am. I mean, and she... Psychonauts is a fucking fantastic game, and honestly, would be a prime example of what I would give as a good ending. But like, fuck, I hated playing that. Yeah, meat circus is a real ramp up in difficulty. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go back to Dragon Age? Yeah, sure. I mean, we already had like an entire episode where we whinged about how much we don't like the ending of Dragon Age, but well, like... of Inquisition. Yeah, Other... Inquisition specifically. I thought you were talking about Origins. Yeah, Origins is okay, Origins? but like the fucking archdemon fight is way yeah. too goddamn. Origins long. is close to a very good ending. You get that nice, it's perfect sat- narrative, satisfying. Right? You kill all the darkspawn. All your friends are there. Well, you don't kill all the darkspawn, but you kill the archdemon. You kill the big, you know. You save the country from the darkspawn wave. Yeah, you get, it's good mechanical because it does the thing a game is meant to do, where the final level boss, whatever, it should be a test of all the skills you've learned. And is that? It's a big, long, drawn-out battle. It's a battle. You actually have to fight through waves in the city. And you get to summon, like, you know, it's in Denerim, dudes. It's in Denerim where you've been a lot, but it's slightly different because it's under attack. I love when you get to go back to an earlier area and it's slightly different. You get to summon all the dudes that you've been rescuing. Yeah, like, you you get, like, a good, like, in-game benefit from, like, all of the effort that you've put in and all of the decisions that you've... As much as decisions ultimately mean nothing in Dragon Age, but still. I, I never could tell if there was an actual fucking benefit to talking to those dudes in the game. Talking. The ones in the corner where you can oh, like... Oh, no, you just give them shit and they get better yeah. armor or stronger spells or shit. Okay, like they that. do get... They do get better things. Yeah, because it's like... Like, Arl Eamon's knights get better better armor. Like, they get, like, dragon scale armor instead of, like, you know, silverite armor or whatever. Okay, I never looked that closely to do some um, summoning, to be honest. The wizards, because I always recruit the wizards. I've never recruited the Templars. They um, get you give them runes. runes, and yeah, they cast more powerful spells. Uh, the elves. What do you give the elves? I think you give the elves herbs. Yeah, they and get they. More I think that they get. Yeah, they get like more. They get tougher. I like that. That's also a good mechanic for an RPG. And you give the dwarves gems, which helps them make something, but it does benefit them. Yeah, that's cool. I like where you have a game long mechanic that pays off at the end. Yeah. Also, the end does one of my favorite fucking things an RPG can do, which is it briefly cuts away from your party to what every other character is doing, and you can like, and you get to play as. The other party defending? I mean, that is always fun. I mean, was it Mass Effect 2 where you got to do that as Joker? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not that like a full thing, fun. but it's no, you get but that like, fun No, but that's thing. an example, yeah. Dragon Age kind of fucks up its whole ending, though, of that Archdemon fight. Oh god, it takes so fucking long. It's not fun. It's too long. That Archdemon has too much health. Like, I get, I get that they were trying to make the fight hard. I get that. Like, I fully acknowledge that. But, like, it can be hard... But not take 20 fucking minutes. Well, the thing is, that is a boss fight I always just switch the game down to easy on, because fuck that fight. And even on easy. Like, it's not hard, it's just long. It just takes so goddamn long. Yeah. That's bad. They kind of, they've done better in 2 and 3. At least, you know, the boss fights are much easier and shorter. Although, well, we've talked about the ending of 3. It's kind of too easy. And the ending of Dragon Age 2, it's a bit of an Arkham Asylum. Yeah, but we've already had a really long discussion about Dragon Age as a whole. Yeah. I'm just going to explain Arkham Asylum real quick if you don't know. The Batman Arkham Asylum game, it's a good game. Very fun. But they totally fuck up the mechanics of the ending. Because most of that game is either you you go into a room and you fight a bunch of unarmed dudes, you fight like 20 dudes and you do all your sweet co- fighting combos. Or you go into a room that's full of armed guards patrolling around and you like your Batman fucking sneaking around on swinging from the rooftops and going through vents and sneaking up behind people and taking them out one by one without being seen. But instead of using either of those for the final boss fight, 
They did one of their one-on-one -on -one boss fights, which are almost always, it's a big dude and he charges at you and you dive out of the way at the last second. But also, because it's a Batman game, the villain was obviously going to be the Joker. The Joker is not a good villain to have a physical fight with. So the narrative ending is the Joker injects himself with a bunch of like crazy monster drugs and turns into a big monster dude and you beat him up. It's a turn that happens out of nowhere and it's really stupid and also there's a cutscene at the end when you beat the Joker where ba Batman puts a bunch of explosive gel on his fists because throughout the game he uses explosive gel to like blow up weak holes in walls and then he punches the Joker in the face with a bunch of explosive gel on his fist and somehow does not like blow his own fucking arm off. It really tanks it. And it's what I always think of as an Arkham... Asylum ending now, which Dragon Age 2 does, where Meredith kind of just like, well, I guess I'm crazy now, I've got magic powers. No, 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 powers. no, 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 it wasn't nearly as bad with Meredith, it was really bad with Orsino. Oh yeah, that's, because it happens with whether you side with the mages or Templars, right? Actually, yeah, because I always side with them. regardless. I always side with the mages, and you get to that fucking guy, and he's like, well, oh well, guess I'll just become Blood Mage, now I'm a big tentacle monster, blah, 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 blah. It is... I mean, we all know about Dragon Age 2's troubled development time, but there's nothing I hate in a game more than when a character is just like, well, time for a boss fight, because it's a video game. The other primo offender of this being Bioshock 1. Man, the end of Bioshock 1 sucks. The first one. Yeah, Bioshock 1. You know, when Atlas just fucking like, well, I'm just going to inject myself with all the drugs. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I never liked it. It's so... I mean, the fight itself is really lame, but it does make sense narratively. I mean, kind of, but it's just like, oh, we need a fucking... Oh, shit, we need a boss to end this video game. He gets all the powers now and loses his genitals and teleports around the room. And if you use electric gel, it's a really easy fight, honestly. And it's not even... Like, they kind of have mini-boss fights throughout the whole game with the big daddies, right? Yeah. But part of that is that you prepare for them. You know, like you set down your trap arrows and you figure out, ooh, I'll lure him over here to this water to zap it. You don't do that with a boss fight. You're just standing in a room and you shoot the guy a lot. Yeah, there's not even anywhere to hide. And, like, there's nothing... There's no, like, cool dynamics of the world that you even get to, like, use yeah. your plasmids on or anything. I think Bioshock 2 did the same thing Infinite did, where it's more like you're in an area and you fight off waves of guys. Which is better, at least. Still not great. I do think Bioshock 1 ending is a bit, like, you be the boss and then you get that little cutscene at the end and it's like, oh, okay. Infinite had a good satisfying ending that, like, tied together themes. I don't feel like the end of Bioshock 1 really dealt with any of the themes of the game. I mean, the theme of Bioshock was about, was I think was more about that, like, you know, meta-narrative of you have no choice. Yeah. And it had a fantastic world, it had a great aesthetic, like... Bioshock was great, because it was certainly one of the- I, I've, in my experience, and have only been playing video games for like, what, six years? Seven years? Yeah, about Something that. like that. Bioshock is certainly the only game that I've played that actually, like, addressed the weird way that, like, a player has to react to a game. Yeah. So, like, it was really awesome about that, because it was certainly not something that I think anyone would have expected, picking up a game that was essentially just supposed to be 1920s under the water, Ayn Rand-style, like, you know, dystopian civilization. Is that right? 1940s, but yeah. No, no dystopian. Not... It's more like apocalyptic. Dystopian. No, not really. Dystopian. Well, but, yeah. No, well, yeah, it was... A... It's a society that just collapsed, like, six months ago or something? Or oh, a year? pretty... Yeah, it was yeah. It was very, like, immediately. It's... Like, if not, like, a month, maybe. Yeah, like, it's 
post societal fall, but like only like six months after. I don't even think it's six months, to be honest. Like, it's still pretty fresh. Yeah. It's not like a Last of Us where, it's, you know, society's all fallen and you're all ruined. It's like this society just fell. Yeah. But, like, it was really interesting, had a great setup. But, yeah, the ending. One was of the a little... best openings in games. The plane crash, you're in the plane crash, you crash in the ocean, and then you swim over that, that weird lighthouse, and then you get in the thing, and you get that amazing speech from Andrew Ryan. Oh, yeah. Andrew Ryan's pretty great in that game to begin with, though. They hired a fantastic voice actor. Yeah, I think that's kind of why I don't... I like... I really like the first three quarters of Bioshock, and then I think it kind of falls off towards the end. And I think partly it is because, you know, Andrew Ryan's not in the game anymore. You still find his fucking cassette tape recordings, but Atlas just isn't as great as Andrew Ryan Ryan. And I don't remember enough about 2 to comment. Like, I don't know. Atlas was a good concept villain, I suppose? It was an amazing twist. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I find his Irish accent less ridiculous than his normal accent. His Irish accent is pretty fucking extra, though. Oh, me precious Moira! But then his regular accent, that's... What even is that? Some kind of New York thing? Oh, God, I have no idea. I really have no idea. I could not tell you I'm bad at accents, you know this. Oh, I just looked at the list of games I wrote down I want to talk about. Okay. Okay, you know what game has one of the most perfect narrative and mechanical endings I've ever seen? Bayonetta. Yeah, Bayonetta is, like, pretty solid, though. For a game that is all about way over-the-top, you know, action and constantly escalating, that's a game where you end fighting God. You have a big boss fight with God that is hard, but not, like, stupidly hard, and I think it does save in stages, doesn't it? Like, you do get some checkpoints through the boss fight, don't you? Yeah, like, there are... Like, there are phases yeah. that you have to beat when it comes to the boss I mean, fights. Oh my god, I forgot to even get to the boss fight. You do that sweet bit where suddenly you're playing Jean instead of Bayonetta, and you, like, fucking jump your motorbike into the sky, and you're riding up pieces, jumping up pieces of debris, pulling off a spaceship to get on a rocket that's going into space. Yep. And then you fight God. Yep. And then at the end of the boss fight, which is a very satisfying boss fight that doesn't require your, all your skills. Yeah, you have to, like, jump around and look for things and, like, dodge fucking... Uh, what are they, like, torpedoes or something? That black hole attack's a bit shit, though. Yeah, I don't like that one. But like, it turns you into a child. And then the narrative ending is you punch God in the face so hard that her soul physically exits her body, and then you have to, like, steer God's soul around all the planets in the solar system to crash it into the sun. Yep. And then, while the credits play, you have to, like, attack the pieces of God's body to destroy them before they, so like... So they burn up in the atmosphere. Yeah, before they rain down and destroy the Earth. Yeah. That's an amazing ending. And I will mention... I want to mention one of the other uh, great all-time video game endings I can think of. And this... It sounds really stupid when I say it, but it was actually a perfect ending. Halo 3. Never played it. I know that sounds stupid because it's Halo, and, like, you don't think of Halo as having a narrative good anything, but... It actually was perfect for what it was. Because the ending of Halo 3, Karina, is basically like, Master Chief, you know, he has his fucking adventures, and he saves he saves the Earth, saves the Solar Universe, whatever. The ending is that, like, the ship he's on, he doesn't get back through the wormhole back to Earth in time. So, like, he saves the fucking universe, but he ends up stranded in the middle of space in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Like, alone. And then he just, like, in his spaceship, goes into a cryopod, and just, like, freezes himself back to sleep. And his little AI is there, and it's like, we'll wake you up when we need you. And it's actually a perfect ending for what that game was. Because, you know, it echoes that whole Arthurian legend thing, which is a perfect ending for that series. 
You want to talk about the Ethereum shit? I have no idea what it's relative to Halo for. The idea that, you know, King Arthur isn't, like, dead, he's just asleep, and he lies sleeping under Britain, and will return in Britain's greatest time of need. Oh, okay. They basically did that with the end of Halo. The idea is that, like, well, Master Chief, he's dead in space, but he's not dead, he's just gonna go to sleep, and, you know, he's just frozen in space, and at some point can be woken up when, you know, he's needed again. And also, it ties perfectly to the old Western ending? Of the cowboy riding off into the sunset? Because, I mean, do you know what that's about, Karina? Like, why the cowboy always, you know, rides off into the sunset at the end? Because he doesn't belong in the place that he saved? Yes. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, but, like, it's what they do at the end of Halo, and it's perfect, because the Master Chief is, like, a fucking seven-foot-tall super soldier cyborg guy. What the fuck's he gonna do once he saves the universe and go back to Earth? Like, he ain't gonna go to the fucking bakery on a weekend, you know? Yeah. He's not gonna get, like, a job working at Coles. Yeah, like, that a... doesn't really work for your uh, cowboy archetype, does it? Like, he's a dude that only exists to fight aliens. So, like, his ending is that he goes to sleep, this perfect warrior, to wait until he's needed again. I do think they kind of messed up the ending by, you know, making a Halo 4, where he gets woken up, like, a fucking month later or whatever to fight aliens again, but it was actually a perfect narrative ending for Halo. And it... I think it shows that to have a satisfying ending, it doesn't have to be some beautifully written, you know, fucking magnum opus of storytelling. It just has to be an ending that really perfectly fits the story you've told. Which, yeah, that, um, a lot of things don't really manage that, do they? Mechanically, the ending of Halo 3 was a bit iffy. Well, they echoed back and did the ending from Halo 1, which is racing against the clock in the jeep to, like, get to an escape point. Which, I love doing those things, but I know a lot of people hate them because, you know, most of the game is running around on foot shooting things, and then it's like, oh, to win the game, you basically have to, like, do a race in the car. And if you don't like driving the cars, then you're gonna have a bad time. Well, I always fucking hate driving the cars. I love driving the, I love driving the cars. I hate <laughs> driving in video games in general. That's okay. If we'd played Halo 3, you wouldn't have been driving the car. I love driving those cars. What have you been playing lately? Oh, you finished, uh... I finished Life is Strange. Yeah. Can you talk about it without ruining the ending for me? Because I watched you play the first episode, but then I knew I wasn't going to be able to see you playing all the time, all the other episodes. Uh, probably. Okay. Life is Strange's ending works perfectly. I can tell you that much. It's, like, depending on your choices, because, like, you already know the whole premise of the game. Like, you can only go back so far, you can change how things work, well, blah, blah, blah. I guess if you don't know the premise, it's, like... It's kind of a telltale game, one of those interactive story, you know, make choices games, but you have the ability to go back in time, like, what, five seconds? Yeah, sometimes it's longer, but it's always, like, a really short set amount that you can go back. So it's like, you say something to a character, and then they react really badly, and you can be like, oh, whoops, go back in time, choose the other option. Yeah. Although, often there's long-term consequences you might not know about until... Yeah, and sometimes, honestly, that's really fucking misleading, because it the game will tell you, like, this action will have consequences, but, like... They're good. So, like, that actually tripped me out really hard for, like, the first episode or two. I was like, oh god, consequences! But it was, wasn't it also saying that about, like, fucking everything? It was like, you check your email, it's like, this action will have consequences. You water your plant, this action will have consequences. Right, it did. You did water your plant, and it didn't tell you there'd be consequences. Yeah, I'm... I gotta assume the consequence was that, like, episode five, your plant wasn't dead. No, if you water your plant twice, it actually dies from you overwatering it. <laughs> Did you kill the plant? I accidentally killed the plant, yes. Aww. It's, it is sad. It's like probably the 
least spoilery thing that I can tell you that happens with, like, that whole mechanic, though. I'll say, I really like that mechanic, though, in that game. Yeah, it's really good. And also, I really like that there are long and short-term consequences. I mean, you do already know one of the big twists of the game as well. Yeah, I did. You walked into the room while I was playing. I was going to the kitchen to get a drink or a snack or something. You should have at least told me, like, hey, Karina, can you, like, click out of the game so that, you know, you didn't get spoiled? I didn't think that spoiler would be so... Important? Visual. It's a fucking narrative game. Yeah, but it wasn't wasn't like something someone told you. It was look over, oh, I can see what's this big spoiler from the situation that's on screen. Yeah. So you already know that one, so uh, you don't get... Because you remember that day when I was kind of walking around and I was just like, What? What? Uh, What? Yeah, I do remember you yelling a lot. Yeah, like that was the day that that happened. It's good, but like the entire premise of the game, it makes sense that the ending works perfectly, I guess. Well, I mean, obviously the ending of the game is completely tied into the entire structure of what they've written. It's not just, oh shit, we need an ending, let's make a boss fight. Yeah. So I guess in games that are more narrative focused, like you I, know, they kind of have to hold themselves I mean, more accountable. All, all, the tell, all the Telltale ones I've played, which I think have just been the first two Walking Deads and Life Wolf Among Us so far. They've all had really good endings. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, they're just long cutscenes that you make options in sometimes. I didn't quite get the ending of Wolf Among Us, to be honest, because I didn't quite get what the thing that happened that was clearly meant to be significant, and I was like, wait, what? But I mean, that was on me, probably not the game. But Life is Strange is baller. I definitely recommend it. Got that prequel coming out soon. Apparently. Uh, what else? I haven't really been playing a lot of other games otherwise. I picked up oh. uh, the zombie one again. Last of Us. To fill time. Yeah. Really great ending. Yeah? Mechanically and narratively. Sucks that they're making a sequel out of it, though, because it felt like that ended. Yeah, it's... I like that you... Well, from what it seems so far, you're going to be playing as Ellie. Talking about the cutscene. Also, I'll say Lost of Us, one of the few examples where... Like, I feel it's okay that a game developer lied. Blatantly lied to people. Because people asked in the lead-up, hey, hey, do you get to play as this girl in the game? And they were like, no, you don't play as the girl. You only play as the guy. You know, game developers have a hell of a fucking habit of lying to people. You know what? In terms of people lying to me, politics! <coughs> I'm okay with game well, developers doing it for the sake of actually making a game good. Well, also, in general. It's like one of those things where, like, the Beyond, that Ubisoft was saying, like, fucking week before E3 this year, last year, everyone was like, no, we're not going to have any trailers for Beyond Good and Evil 2 at E3. Which was a lie, because obviously they did. And then it kind of gets Is that in... the one with the cursing monkey? Yeah. And it gets into the thing, oh, is it okay if they lied because they wanted to, you know, conceal this big surprise? But it's like, but they're lying. And they do it all the time. And then we get used to their lies and we can never believe anything they say. Well, that's all different. What I'm saying is comparatively to the fucking president of the United States lying. Yeah. I'm okay with games doing it because they want to actually, like, preserve some kind of hype. Yeah. It's the least, like, damaging lie that, like, a big... Yeah, there company or there are extents they can do for lying about their hype. Yeah, like there are obviously like There's, li- yeah. like points where that like is or isn't there, okay. There are examples where like like uh, reporters, you know, journalists have gone out and found out something about a game and they've published it, you know, because they've gotten you know insider information about something that's going to happen. Obviously, anonymous sources, and then like you know the publisher or developer is like, no, that's not true. It's all a lie. That's not happening. And then, like, you know, a fucking month later, they announced that thing. But in the meantime, that journalist's credibility has taken this huge hit. Mm. What the fuck were we talking about before we started talking about developers and Yes. Good mechanical ending, good narrative ending. Because you get that big 
you know, you get the hardest combat and the hardest sneaking right at the end. And then you get that amazing, satisfying ending that is ambiguous, which is not something video games do often or well. And kind of makes me, again, sad they're doing a sequel because it was that perfect, it's up to you what you think happens, what the ending is, what it means. Like Portal 2. I don't know that that one was ambiguous. Well, I mean, you don't know what happens to Shell. Yeah. Good ending, though. Good ending. Again, fucking though, fantastic ending. Probably because the writing was so fucking good. Oh, God, yeah. The writing in that game in general was absolutely fucking spectacular. Fucking Jay Pinkerton. He was on point. He's one of the writers. I don't know him because I used to like follow his website way, 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 way back in the day. But again, that writer means... Brutal Legend. Yes. Good ending. You hate that ending mechanically, but I enjoy it. I mean, I don't like that fight with Diviculus, but it still makes sense. It's not, it's not as much that fight. I always get... It's that fucking bit where you have to drive the super tank over the bridge and you have to do that uh, the Stonehenge attack. Fucking tree! Yeah. That thing killed me twice. I hate it so much. It is a good, like, this is the hardest fight. So. Oh, it is. It's the hardest fucking fight of the whole goddamn thing. And mechanically, it does use all the mechanics you've learned so far. It can take you a couple minutes to be like, to figure out you're supposed to fucking drive your car through the into the thing's head. Yeah, but, like, I'm pretty sure someone shouts, like, I think that Lena probably shouts at you to do it eventually or something. Yeah, I think the game, they give you a chance to work it out yourself, and then they do, like, this is what you need to do. Oh, man, that's another thing about video games, though. I, lo I love a good, like, in-story hint system if you are clearly fucking stuck, because, God, what was it? It, it was. It was, was Life is Strange. There were points in Life is Strange where, like, I just could not find, like, this one tiny pixel on the fucking screen of something that I was supposed to do, and it was driving me goddamn bonkers. I just want to clarify that she's exaggerating, because it is not literally a pixel. Because you're t because games used to do that back in the day. It would literally be a pixel you would have to find. It's still something incredibly small and insignificant, yes. and it really frustrates me that like they're not giving me some the, kind of clue. The main one that I saw you doing where it was you had to look at a thing on top of a cabinet, when they never put shit up high in that game, yeah, that wasn't cool. But uh, Last of Us has a good hint system. Like if if you kind if you struggle with the puzzle for a while, you can like click a button that, that'll give you a give you a hint. It kind of, yeah, it kind of like shows you what you should be looking at. Yeah, like this or is like, what you need. Or like Ellie will say something. Yeah, so like that is a perfect in-game hint system. And if it's something like a puzzle game, it's definitely very much appreciated, especially for people like me who did not grow up playing video games, so, like, I don't always get straight away what's supposed to happen. Man, I could have done with a hint system in Portal 2. And not for the fucking puzzles you would think, either. I always got fucking stuck in the bit outside the test chambers. Oh, trying to find that, like, one little pixel of wall, yeah, like, a where, thousand meters away? Where they weren't even really puzzles. It's just that bit where it's like, where the fuck is the one bit of wall I can put a portal on? Oh, I have to, like, zoom way in on that corner. Get, like, the fucking binoculars out and zoom in. Like, oh, there it is. Portal. I mean, depending on, like, which robot you have at the time, and if you don't, then it does kind of suck. But, um, Wheatley or Potato Gladys actually do also give you clues. That's good. But I know there were... If you don't room. have one, though. Yeah. yeah. I know there were rooms where I was stuck in, and it wasn't, like... It wasn't because I couldn't figure out the puzzle. I couldn't find. I couldn't find where I was supposed to go. Yeah, that's the kind of frustration that I was having with like and, portions of life. Is and I haven't told you there's been two fucking games in my life where I got stuck for quite a while because of brightness settings. No. One was Max Payne, where I basically went into a fucking building and got stuck because I'm like, this is a dead end. There's nowhere to go. And eventually, I figured out like I had the idea to like, what if I just turn my brightness settings up? Oh, there's a door there. The game is just so fucking dark because it's this, you know, really. 
over-the-top, exaggerated, hard-boiled detective thing. You know, it's the kind of game where the narration is all like, the rain fell like the tears of a thousand fallen angels. <laughs> but it's meant to be like that. I like that you did that in your uh, snake eater voice. But like, the game was so fucking dark, I couldn't see a door. And then I had a problem, and then uh, eight years and years ago, playing the Discworld Noir adventure game, I got stuck because I couldn't see an NPC I was supposed to talk to. Because again, because it was a noir game, the dark, the brightness was so fucking low, I could not tell there was a character I was supposed to talk to. I got stuck on the second screen. I mean, that kind of sounds like me when I was playing uh, Half-Life, but like, that's also because I'd never played Half-Life before. Half-Life 2. Whichever one I was playing. Yes. But you never did finish. No, but like, I got a lot farther than I ever had. I've been playing Half-Life for like seven fucking years. No, again, not not a great ending in that game. I've never gotten to the end. Mecha- oh, that that first Half Life Two has mechanically a fun as hell ending. Obviously, they do the thing where you know it gets harder and harder. And I think you stopped just before the bit where you actually no, you were at the bit where you had to run through the city with teams of people, right? I think so. Yeah, I don't remember what yeah. point I got up. To. You would have gotten to the bit pretty soon where you're running around on rooftops and you have to fight those giant stilt walker things. That's yes, tricky. I think I'm supposed to be fighting one of yeah. those, and then I was just like, fuck this. Yeah, that's hard, and then you have your big fight into the central citadel, and that's, you know, there's a lot of hard shooting. Great. But you get to the point where you go, hit you off through a security barrier, and the security barrier, like, disintegrates all your weapons. Oh, fuck. Except your gravity gun, which it supercharges. Oh. So then you have to do the rest of the citadel only with the gravity gun, but now it's supercharged and can pick up people. Cool. Like, that's actually a really dope mechanical thing they did, where, oh, you're up to, okay, the last little bit of the game, just have fun. Like, fuck it. It's, you can just, like, fucking pick people up and shoot them in a, you know, walls. You can, like, pick up anything. That's rad. Like, you, you just get to have stupid fun with that. I mean, the thing that I definitely hate fighting in that game so far is those, like, um, starship troopers, like, charging rhino beetle things. Yeah, I don't think you have to fight any more of them. Those are fucking... Like, that one where you had to fight one in a bathroom. That was bullshit. You, I think you're past the whole antlion section. Like, I ran out of fucking bullets. It's like, how am I supposed to hurt this thing? Yeah, back in the day when you could run out of ammo in certain games. Ugh. It was not fun. And then, of course, as we all know, Half-Life 2 has no real ending, because they never made a Half-Life 2 episode 3. Or a Half-Life 3. Yeah, apparently. And they very clearly at this point never, ever will, because... They make a billion fucking dollars from Steam and have to do nothing for it, so... Mass Effect. Good endings or bad? Uh... I mean, across all three I feel games. like they never should have made the extended ending for three, to be perfectly honest. I do... Over time, I do think they could have done the endings of Mass Effect 3 better. I, do, I was perfectly okay with the original I, ending and just believing that the indoctrination no. theory was real. Like, I was content with that. Nah, that is a bad ending. I don't know. I, it doesn't... It, if the ending of all three games was straight up, you haven't actually finished this game, that would be weird. I was so but, glad... like, it, the indoctrination theory never needed to be real. It yeah. never needed to be. But it was a very cool concept that I was okay with, like, you know, being like, oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the original ending as it was fine, but the fact that all three endings are exactly the fucking same, just they change the colors, like, that is pretty weak. I did always like how up to interpretation of what's going to happen next it was, though. I mean, I was going to say all three games. Because that first game ending, narratively, it's fun. You saved the day. It's all good. But mechanically, it sucked. Yeah, that Saren fight wasn't great. Yeah, you get, like, a cool fight, and then it's, hey, you're stuck in a box fight, Saren. Yeah. He's flying. And you don't have any squad mates, I don't think. Do you? No, I think you do. No, maybe they fall in the hole Pretty sure I you. remember Garrus fighting Saren with me. Either way, that Saren boss fight sucks. It's not fun. Two was good, good if very silly. 
where you straight up fight like a fucking, you know, 1989 NES video, like, final boss. You just shoot nukes at its eyeballs. One nuke, because you only get one. Sure, you get two. You get two. One. Maybe you get two at most, but that's not enough to kill it. I mean, I usually just throw warps at it and then shoot it with the, a nuke. And like, then the like, fact yeah. that the final boss of Mass Effect 2 is like, oh, fight this giant video game skeleton. Shoot him in the weak point for massive damage. Like, that's the most video games that those video games ever were. Yeah. If you miss with that, okay, no, that sucks. Or if you brought the wrong people. Who can't shoot far. Yeah, or if they, <laughs> if you've got, like, you know... People with like throw and push powers. Yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why I usually uh, end up going biotic. To be perfectly honest, it can turn into a bit of a slog that final boss. But again, the whole suicide mission ending beautiful. And then like no one actually dies if you do it right, though. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I read this review by um, Kieran Gillian once. He became a pretty good. Wrote an amazing Darth Vader comic book series. Like fucking great series. It's so good. You'll have to read it one day. But he points out that the whole thing with the suicide mission is people only die on the mission if you don't care about them. And if you don't care about them, why would you care that they died? Because if you care about the characters, you took the time to do all the side missions and get their loyalty and they survive. Unless you really fuck up the choices, I guess. I mean, I don't know how, but I do have a friend who got uh, Morden killed. Because when you had to choose someone to go through the tunnels, he sent Morden. Because he was like, oh, Morden has all that Black Ops background. I'll send him. He's a medic. Yeah, I was like, what? He's a Forget- medic. In fact, I think a menu comes up that is very clear, like, you need to send someone with good technical experience. Fucking Tali. Here are the characters with their skills. Tali. Choose Tali or Legion. Yeah. God, I remember the first time I ever played that, I was actually frozen with indecision, and, like, I actually pulled up, like, everyone's, like, pages, and I was reading over them for, like, an hour before I actually chose Tali. Did I just come through and just be like, pick one of the fucking engineers? Maybe. Like, that wasn't that time that I called you when I was playing the end of Dragon Age 2 really drunk. That was so emotional, that first time I finished Dragon Age 2, I probably because I was drunk off my fucking tits. I don't remember me. that. I mean, you phoned me a few times drunk while playing video games, but we say phoned as if we used phones. Skype. Skype. Yeah. Back when we didn't live together. I can't remember finishing the first time I played Metal Gear Rising Revengeance and you probably called me drunk on Skype and I was just like sending you the fucking YouTube cutscenes of what happens at the end. I do remember you sending me a bunch of like fucking videos. Because I definitely would have sent you that like, oh, I get it now, you're not crazy. You're batshit insane! Yeah, that's how, that's, I remember watching that one and just being like, fuck. God, that ending. <laughs> that, you know what, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, that's a perfect ending. Narratively, again... It's extra as fuck, but it works. Yes, it's taken the extreme way to the top, and, you know, it's a big, satisfying boss fight. Takes all your skills. I want to say the opposite of that would be Metal Gear Solid 2, where the boss fight is you have to have that fucking sword fight with Solid Snake, and you've had the sword for a maximum of, like, five minutes in the game. Suddenly this game that was all about shooting people and sneaking around is suddenly about having a sword fight. That wasn't great. You can't think of any other... Man, it's honestly, it's hard to think of great video game endings because so many of them have kind of mediocre ones. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say all the Assassin's Creed games. Good or bad? Kind of bad. Unmemorable Yeah. me, honestly. I mean, even the ones that are cool, like the ending of Assassin's Creed 2, where you, you know, have a fucking sword fight with the Pope in his secret underground lair below the Vatican. Like, that's really cool. But then it gets hijacked to be this thing where they're talking to Desmond in the future. Yeah. What was the ending of Brotherhood? 
I don't know. I have not played it in a very long oh, time. You do the thing where you run for the siege battle and you fight... Uh, God, it's not Caesar. It's like Caesar? Is it Caesar? The final Borgia guy? Cesare? Cesare. Yeah. Like, you do that. That's fun. But then the gang ending kind of gets hijacked so you can be Desmond and run around in the, you know, fucking current time. And then you stab that chick. That is what you do. Yeah, so far, I haven't finished Syndicate yet, but so far all the endings of Assassin's Creed problems have the game when you kind of get a satisfying ending to the character and then it's always like, get sidetracked the ending with Abstergo shit. And I'm one of the few people who cares about the Abstergo thing. But even I don't care about those endings. Three had the worst one of all. That stupid thing where Desmond kills himself because he has that vision about how he's going to become Jesus. Although Brotherhood was also pretty... Brotherhood's pretty bad because you killed the chick, right? Kirsten, you killed Veronica Mars, slash the chick from The Good Place, I think. Is that the same chick? Anyway, you kill her, and then the opening of three is just like, oh, it turns out she was a Templar traitor all along. Oh, we knew the whole time. They basically Austin Powers to it. That, yes, like, yes, she was a traitor. Yes, we knew the whole time. Oh, well. So, really fucking dumb. I think the pirate one had it, actually. Actually, the pirate one had a decent ending. I assume you do your ridiculous... Oh, uh, there was some... You know, you do your thing where you defeat the Templar artifact or whatever. The ending was kind of satisfying because you spend that whole time, like, I think you're waiting for your... Because the pirate one, you ran off to make your fortune to, you know, impress the family of that chick you wanted to marry. And at the end, I think you're waiting to make your fortune and she's going to come visit you the whole time or something. And then when you get to the end of the game, like, actually, she doesn't come. She's actually dead. But, like, your daughter comes. Oh. And that's the kind of drop on you that, oh, you've got a daughter. And then, like... The credits of the game, while the credits are playing, it's like Edward Kenway standing on the deck of the ship like while well, his daughter steers the ship. And they do a thing where they make it super foggy so they don't have to fucking render a world around them. So that was actually a nice moment of like, you know, him standing on the deck of the ship letting his daughter sail the ship. Never got that far. Yeah. Of course, then they do a ridiculous, you know, future of Sturgill thing. God, the pirate one was the one where you had to play Frogger. You had to hack computers by basically playing Frogger. I haven't finished Syndicate. Maybe it'll have a good ending. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. Origins is coming out this year. Maybe that will have a good ending. I don't know. Ooh, I haven't looked in fully, but you know what? Um, Origins is going to have that seems like a very cool idea. It's going to have a documentary mode. Basically where there's no enemies and there's no plot or anything, but you can just run around the world. And the thing, I think the thing in theory is that's like, so you know, you could use it in like schools or whatever. So like, you know, run around this recreation of ancient Egypt. But, like, that's just a neat idea, that, like, you can just run around and explore the game world, you know, see all the things, but, like, you're not going to see any of the story or anything, but you can just explore this world they've made. That's neat. You seem like you're flagging pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should wrap this one up. Yeah. And let you work on that assignment. Honestly, I can't think of more video games that actually have good, satisfying endings. Not off the top of my head right now. Snake Eater did, but that was because of the cutscenes. Oh yeah, Karen is like zoning way, way, way Fez, out hard. But not the complete one. <laughs> the Fez where you don't actually co- collect enough like normal cubes and neg cubes. Yeah. Fez is, Fez is weird because it's not like it has a final boss. It's just, did you do enough puzzles? Did you collect enough things to end the game now? Okay, go to the ending. And then it's not like it has a narratively satisfying ending. No, but it's got Gomez playing the drums. Yeah. I can't even think of how to describe what the ending is. A bunch of weird shit happens in a wormhole and then Gomez plays the drums. And I'm like, which, quite frankly, made it like one of the top ten endings of all time. It's, <laughs> it's like, so yep, cute. Gomez played the drums and then he jumped in the air happy. Yep. Oh no, then he gets sunglasses. Yep. Like the sunglasses land on him like... Yep. Oh, then it, no. 
And then I think you can do it again and he gets 3D glasses. And then you can have that look around in 3D mode. No, you get the sunglasses and that lets you, if you play it again, look around in first person mode. And then apparently if you finish it again, you get 3D glasses and you can turn on 3D mode. Which from what I've seen just puts it into like a red and blue overlay. Okay. I don't know if you can actually wear 3D glasses and it does anything or if it's just a dub effect. But that was a oddly satisfying ending. It was a fun game too. For a game that was just about a little marshmallow man collecting cubes. Uh, Kotor uh, kind of. Kotor 1. Don't remember being terribly impressed by it, to be honest. It's kind of just an ending. It's a bit of a Bioware ending. You do a big long slog at the end, then you have a one-on-one -on -one boss fight. Which... I honestly remember having to run around in circles a lot, just so I actually had time to heal, because yep. that was a fucking hard fight. Because, yeah, actually, that is... They do a... What's Especially what's... when you can't actually bring a healer with you. What's the big horn man called? A Zabrak? In, Z in Dragon Age? Arashok. Yeah. They do the Arashok thing, where it's like, right, you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one fight with this boss. Is your character built to be good at one-on-one -on -one fights? Nope. Too bad. Mage. Did you build yourself mage. as a mage? You know, slash person who uses lots of force powers? Yeah. Enjoy running around in circles, healing yourself. Yep. I definitely uh, used Code of Cold on him a lot. I'll tell you what, though, if you went impressed with that ending, you're going to hate the ending of, of uh, Kotor 2 if you ever get around to finishing it. Yeah, maybe one day. Like... Again, that's a game where I think they ran out of time or something, or money, but it's... That game kind of just ends. Like, this is the end now. Lots of things don't get wrapped up. Bye-bye. And then plot threads are left that I guess eventually got resolved in, like, fucking co... Uh, no, the old Republic Online thing, in theory. Oh, a lot of the Revan shit gets addressed, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, because one of the endings, I think the implication is that, like, you're a character in KOTOR 2 who's going to look for Revan. Yeah, except that in Swotor they also made Revan, like, canonically a, a white dude, and it's just like, uh, excuse you. Yeah, I think they canonically made it all white side endings. I will say, I know we're advanced, and now we're an advanced society where we can read earlier game state side files, but I will never stop loving how ridiculous the, uh, you know, information in KOTOR 2 was. You know, or instead of importing a save file from KOTOR 1, it's just, you're talking about fucking Anton, like, Man, that Revan, he sure was evil. Oh, really? I heard he was good. Yeah, I actually, I did hear he was good at the end. Man, he sure was a dick. Oh, really? I heard Revan was a woman. Oh, was she? Okay, I guess she was a woman. Okay, wow. <laughs> like, they straight up get you to decide whether you had the good, bad, or male, female Revan by just, like, it's a fucking dialogue option. <laughs> it's very ham-fisted, and I kind of love it, just by how stupid it is. Like, can you imagine the start of, like, Mass Effect 1? You were just talking to the elusive man? It's like, man, that that, that that shepherd, she sure is a paragon. Oh, really? I heard she was a renegade. Yep. God. She sure was a renegade. <laughs> Oof. That's fact three. They did almost fuck up that ending super, super bad, though. With that um original ending where the elusive man was going to turn into a giant reaper monster thing and you were going to have a boss fight. Yeah. That would have been horseshit and dumb. And you wouldn't have had your squad, so again, it would have been a one-on-one -on -one fight. Really glad it just became cutscenes and choosy dialogues. Okay, I think we're done. Let's meet back in eight months to discuss the ending of Final Fantasy XV that I just started <laughs> playing. Okay, we're gonna go turn in all these side quests and level up, and then probably spend like two months actually picking out some feats. We found enough golden acorns that we can trade them for an upgraded wallet, so now we can carry more rubies. Yep. Now we're just both staring at each other because we don't know how to end this. Uh, go to our website. It's knightsofpodcast.com. It's knights of a K. 
You can find all the information about, you know, how to find us on social media and shit there. Or visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Yes, I kind of forgot what our own thing was called there. Go there. If you like what we do, why not, you know, send us a dollar a month. dollar a month. It helps pay the bills. Helps, you know, pay for us to go to the dentist. <laughs> okay, now we're done. Let's go see the vendors about cashing in these quests. Bye, listeners.